Hey, I'm Steve Holt, the senior pastor of The Road at Chapel Hills. This is The Road Podcast. Thanks for joining us. My heart is to empower you to change the world. I hope this message impacts you. Here now is our guest speaker. All right, let's turn over to Genesis chapter 2. So here in Genesis chapter 2, of course, this follows Genesis chapter 1. And Genesis chapter 1 is where it created everything. And then in chapter 2, it says in verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended His work which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all the work which He had made. And what I want to talk to you about is about resting in the Lord. And there's things here concerning the creation that God, over in Hebrews chapter 4, I'm going to refer to these verses in Hebrews chapter 4, but for time's sake, and also in the King James, which is what I use, I figured if that's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me, amen. But in the King James, Hebrews chapter 4 is really awkward. You have to really study it to get the things out of it. So I'll probably just refer to this and let you study it on your own. But Hebrews chapter 4 talks about that there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And most people, when you talk about this, they don't understand what this means. And they think, what are you talking about, a rest? To most people, rest is where you lay down and do nothing. And yet in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11, it says, let's labor to enter into this rest. So the very way that it's stated shows you that this isn't talking about doing nothing, reaching a place where you don't have to seek God or do anything. You have to labor to enter into the rest of the Lord. So what is this rest? Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, it refers back to these exact verses. It says, on the seventh day, God rested from all of his works. So when he rested, was it because he was worn out? Isaiah chapter 40 I forget the exact verse, but it says, Have you not heard? Haven't you learned that the Lord God isn't, doesn't get weary? He doesn't faint? God doesn't get tired. God didn't rest because, you know, He had just created the heavens and the earth. And if He created one more thing, if He created one more moon, He was just going to pass out from exhaustion. <laughs> he didn't rest because He was tired. He rested because he did it so perfectly, so completely, that there was nothing left to do. It's similar to when a lawyer comes up and says, well, I rest my case. That's not because the lawyer's worn out. It's because he's presented everything he's got to present. There's nothing left to say. Or when an artist gets through with a picture and he puts his paintbrush down and he rests, not because he's worn out from painting, you know, holding that paintbrush, but because if he puts one more a brush stroke on there, he's going to ruin the entire painting. When it says that God rested, this is really significant. He, he made creation so perfectly that there was nothing left to do. And just for time's sake again, I'm going to summarize some of these things. You can read it in Genesis chapter 1. But the Lord was very specific in the way he said things. Let me just read one passage to you here. In Genesis chapter 1 and in verse uh, 11, it says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, 
and uh, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herbs and all. But the way that he said it is very specific. He didn't just say, let there be grass. Let there be trees. See, if he had done that, then when trees and grass died, he had had to create new grass and new trees. But he said specifically, let the earth bring forth grass and trees whose seed is in itself. By doing it that way, he built into creation the ability to procreate. And here are some radical statements that I'm not going to be able to fully verify. Hopefully um, you can verify this on your own. But the Lord has never created another blade of grass, another tree, another animal, another thing. He rested on the seventh day and he has never created another thing. He built into creation the ability to procreate. If he hadn't have done it that way, then he'd have had to create a million new cows today to replace all the ones that have been butchered and eaten. He'd have to create all new trees. He would have to be constantly creating. But see, he created everything and he did it so completely that he's never had to create another thing. And here's a great thought too. He, he created mankind on the end of the sixth day. On the sixth day, he created all of the animal creation. You can read that in Genesis chapter 1. And then after he had created all of the animals, then he created mankind. So he created everything in six days. I haven't got time to go into this, and I know there may be people who disagree with this, but I believe it was six 24-hour days. He did it in six days, not millions, billions of years. And it was towards the end of the sixth day that he created man, and then immediately, you know, the way that time is reckoned here, it says the evening and the morning were the first day. The way the Jews count time is from sundown one day to sundown the next day. We count it from uh, midnight until midnight, but they do it from sundown. So like the Sabbath is from uh, sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday for the Jews. And in the Bible here, the evening and the morning were the first day. So uh, the seventh day started in the evening on the sixth day. The significance of this is he created mankind and man immediately entered in to God's rest, into his completion. Now think about this. Adam didn't have to come to the Lord on the seventh day and say, God, I'm hungry. I need something to eat. And the Lord responded and said, oh, I, I need to give you something to eat. And so he went and created uh, fruit trees and food for him to eat. That's not the way it did. God anticipated that he was going to need to eat. And he created food. And I believe he created an abundance of food. If there had been tens of thousands of people on the earth at that time, there would have been enough food to uh, feed them all. He's never created any more food since then. He's never created any more fruit trees or anything. It was all done in anticipation. And so when Adam got hungry... God didn't have to respond to him and meet his need. He had already met the need before the need ever existed. The supply existed before the need. And when Adam, you know, needed to breathe, God didn't have to say, oh, well, I got to create air for him to breathe. Did you know that God created this atmosphere? And right now we have over 7 billion people on this planet. God's never created any more atmosphere. 
quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, well, what does this have to do with anything? This is very important. God did not create man. And then when they needed to breathe, when they needed to eat, when they needed, you know, uh, the right temperature, he anticipated everything. Everything was created for us and it was done before our need existed. Now that is really significant. And then they immediately entered into this rest, into this place of completion to where everything was already provided. And brothers and sisters, the only other creation that God has ever made is the new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When we get born again, there is a direct parallel between what happened here and what happened in our spirit. When you got born again, in your spirit, God has already placed everything you will ever need. If you need to be healed, God isn't responding to you and healing you. But inside of you, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, He prays that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened so that you could see the hope of His calling and the exceeding greatness of His power towards us. The same power that He used when He raised Christ from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, etc. He placed within every one of you Raising from the dead power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's not out there somewhere. And when you get sick, you have to say, Oh God, please heal me. He's already anticipated anything that could ever happen. There is no sickness. There is no disease. There is no injury. There's nothing that could ever happen to you that God hasn't anticipated. And when you got born again... He placed inside of you that raising from the dead power. It also says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18, it says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you power to get wealth. He doesn't give you wealth. He gives you power to get wealth. There is an anointing on the inside of every one of you for prosperity, for wealth. He said He would bless whatever you set your hand unto. And there's a lot of people praying for God's prosperity, but they aren't doing anything. Did you know 100 times zero is zero? You gotta go out and do something. But if you would activate this power on the inside of you and believe God, God would cause you to prosper. He'll give you creative ideas and all of these things. You've already got everything that you will need, just like Adam and Eve. They didn't have to say, God, we're hungry. No, he had anticipated, God, we need to breathe. God, we want the right temperature. God, we need whatever. It's already provided. God provided everything. And in your born-again spirit, you have had everything provided for you. And the key to the Christian life isn't learning how to get God to do something. It's about resting in what God has already done. And I tell you, Satan is a master at getting you to focus on what you don't have. You know, in the first service, I taught something different. And in the first service, I was in Genesis chapter 3, and Satan came to Eve, and instead, let's just suppose that there was 10,000 fruit trees in the garden that they could eat from. I don't know how many there were, but if there were 10,000, the devil didn't come and say, has God told you that you can only eat of 9,999 of the trees? 
See, if he would have approached it that way and it would have made mention of all of the goodness that God had for them, it would have diffused the temptation. It would have just minimized it to where who cares why God told us not to eat of this one. God's so good to give us 9,999 trees. Satan makes you focus on what you don't have. And this is how he gets you. Adam and Eve were perfect. They were living in paradise. They were living in perfection. And yet a talking snake made two people who were living in perfection get dissatisfied with what they had. They felt like they had to have more. If that's what can happen to people who are living in perfection and never have had a problem in their life, everything was perfect, well, then I guarantee you people living in an imperfect world, if you want to, you can focus on what you don't have. You can focus on the problems. And I guarantee you it will discourage you and get you into unbelief. But you've got to focus on what you do have. And this is what resting in the Lord is. If the doctor tells you you're going to die, instead of thinking about that, what you need to do is go back and say, God, you anticipated all of these things. And the scripture says, Isaiah chapter 53, that by his stripes we are healed. In 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24, it says, by his stripes we were healed. It's already done. You don't even have to get God to heal you. Amen. I know some of you are like, well, the, here's my doctor's report. I'm sick. All that's doing is telling you what's in the physical realm. But in the spirit realm, you have raising from the dead power on the inside of you. And one of the ways to see it released is to quit saying, oh, God. I come before you and I have nothing and I can do nothing. And I, I, I'm just, I'm, you, you're expressing your desperation. When you're doing that, you aren't resting in the Lord. You aren't resting in what he's already done. You're trying to get him to do something for you. It's a whole nother level when you move into a place that, Father, you've already done this. I've already got healing. By your stripes, I was healed. And instead of trying to fight to get healed, you fight because you are healed. I'm not ignoring the physical realm, but I'm saying that in the spirit is who I really am. And when I, you know, it's as simple as this. You're three parts. Here's your spirit, your soul, and your body. Your spirit is perfect. Your spirit is already complete in the Lord. It's got everything in it. When you go to heaven, you aren't going to get a new spirit. You're just going to get a new soul and a new body who will be totally renewed in mind and your body will be glorified. But your spirit right now is as perfect and pure as it will ever be. So if you get your soul, your mental, emotional part into agreement with your spirit, that's two against one. And, and what the life that's in your spirit will flow in your physical body has to respond. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Your spirit is always healed, always healthy, always whole. There is no discouragement. There's no fear. There's no lack in your spirit. But your soul, if your soul is over here being controlled by your body, and you've got pain, or you see something, or if you hear something, and if your soul is more dominated by the physical, natural things, that's two against one. And it just shuts off the flow of God's power in you. But if you get your soul over here in agreement with your spirit, that's two against one, and the life that's in your spirit will flow. 
So really the whole key to the thing, when you got born again, you were given everything that you will ever need in any part of your life. There is nothing that you are in lack of in your spirit. In your body you, you may need healing. In your soul you may need to be encouraged. But in your spirit you are perfect and complete. And the key to the Christian life is Romans chapter 12 verse 2 about don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's changing your mind. When you got born again, your spirit's as perfect and complete as it's ever going to be. Man, that's a great place to say amen. amen. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5.17 If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. You can tell that's not talking about your body. If you were fat before you got saved, you're going to be fat after you get saved. You do not. Old things passed away and all things become new. If you were a woman, you're going to stay a woman, regardless of how you feel. If you were a man, you're going to stay a man, regardless of how you feel. Your body isn't the part of you that got changed. And did you know that your soul, your mental, emotional part, what most people call their personality, that's not the part of you that got saved. Did you know your soul's not saved? We will use that terminology and talk about, I, I'm a soul, I, you know, I came to see a soul saved. That's really incorrect terminology. It's not your soul that gets born again. There's only twice in the Bible that it talks about he that winneth souls in Daniel, I think it's chapter 10, and then also in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about soul salvation. But soul salvation is when you've been depressed and you get made joyful and things like that. That's soul salvation. But when you get born again, it's not your soul that gets saved because it says that old things passed away and all things become new. That's not talking about your mental, emotional part of you because you still will have your thoughts. You will remember your childhood, not my childhood. You don't just automatically have brand new thoughts. You have to renew your mind. It takes effort. So over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body. That shows you you got three parts. It says, I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you got three parts. You can tell by process of elimination. It's not your body that got changed. It's not your soul that got changed. That only leaves the spirit. The spirit is completely changed. And so few Christians understand this because the Bible says that you can't see the spirit. You can see the effects of the spirit like the wind blowing a tree, but you can't see the spirit. You can't see who you are in Christ. The only way you can see it is through the word over in uh, James chapter 1, it says, Whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty is like a man who beholds his face in a glass. Looking in the Word of God is how you see your spirit. If you want to see your physical self, you go look in a mirror. You know, here's, here's a thought that most of you have never thought. But did you know you have never seen your face with your eyes looking straight at yourself? And some of you say, oh, I do too. I saw myself this morning. No, you saw a reflection. How do you know that that reflection is right? 
Haven't you ever been in front of a mirror that makes you tall and skinny or short and fat? Did you know that when you look in a mirror and the person that you're looking at in the mirror and you hold up your right hand, did you know the person in the mirror holds up their left hand? <laughs> Have you ever thought of that? When I started doing TV programs, this was really confusing. <laughs> I'd look at the monitor and I'd try and pick a piece of lint or something off my shoulder and it was always the wrong side because I was used to a mirror image. What I'm saying is you've never looked at yourself in the face. But you know what? You've learned to trust the reflection that you see. You aren't really seeing yourself. You're seeing a reflection of yourself. The Bible says that this is a spiritual mirror. If I want to see if my hair's combed, I have to go look in the mirror. I can't go by how I feel. I sure hope my hair's combed in front of all these people and stuff, but I can't go by how I feel. I have to go look and then take action. Did you know you can't go by how you feel about your spirit? You have to look into the Word of God. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, It's the spirit that quickens, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. God's Word is spirit. If I want to know what my spirit's like, I just have to hold this mirror up and look at it. And I don't care how I feel. This is who I am. People come up and say, how are you? And I say, well, let me look. Oh, right here. I'm blessed. I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Most, I've had some people come to me. One time I had some things happen to me that were really bad. They made Paul Harvey's broadcast. He said, this is the worst thing I think I've ever heard in my life. And it went worldwide. And so people came to me and said, you can't minister this morning because of what happened. And I said, why not? And they said, well, because of what happened. I said, I'm not going to tell people about what happened to me. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And he hadn't changed. And so they came up and they said, but, but we want to know how you feel. I said, I'm blessed. And they said, no, we want to know how you really feel. I said, I'm really blessed. <laughs> the victory in the Christian life is getting to where you go by who you are in the Spirit. The Scripture talks about walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And yet most of us walk in the flesh. If you have a pain in your body, you just go by that. And there's a lot of people who said, well, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to say that I'm well when anybody can tell by looking at me that I'm sick. It just depends what you consider to be the real you. If you think this physical body and this mental emotional part is the real you, if that's your identity, well, then you're a hypocrite to say that you're healed when anybody can tell that you look sick. But if you have become a new creature in Christ and if you are walking in the Spirit and standing in who you are in Christ, you're a hypocrite to go by what you feel and what you see rather than what God's Word says about you. Amen. It all depends on what you consider to be your real identity. Man, that's some good preaching. <laughs> that was really good. But most people don't know who they are. See, this is resting in the Lord. But most people, if they have a pain, oh God, I need you to heal me. And until the pain is gone, they don't believe that anything has happened. Most Christians are functionally ignorant of the spiritual realm. They will sit there and say that it exists. But in reality, they don't believe anything exists that they can't see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. But did you know in this room right now, there's angels, there's demons, 
There's all kinds of spirit beings in this room. And somebody, well, I don't see them. That doesn't mean that they don't exist any more than because you can't see a television signal. Then you don't believe it exists. It does exist. There's television programs in this room right now. And all you'd have to do is put a television set up here, plug it in, turn it on, tune it in. And when you see something, is not when it starts existing. It's already here. That receiver just receives what's here in the unseen realm and puts it into a realm that you can see. Likewise, there's spirit beings in here. And there's spirit beings inside of you. There is a spiritual being. That is the real you. James chapter 2 verse 26 says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. When the spirit leaves the body, that's death. Your spirit is the life-giving force. When God created Adam and Eve, He breathed into them the breath of life. That's the spirit. It's the, it's the Hebrew word for spirit. The spirit is a life-giving part of you. And when you get born again, you get a new spirit. Your old spirit is taken away and you are a brand new person on the inside. And the key to the Christian life is getting your identity established in who you are in Christ and walking and thinking and acting and believing based on the spirit, not based on the physical man. And yet most of us are literally dominated, controlled by the physical man. See, this is, again, Hebrews chapter 4. I won't take time to turn over there. But it says that there is a rest that remains unto us. And then it talks about the Sabbath rest. In the same way that God anticipated everything that Adam and Eve would ever need. And then they immediately entered into this perfection. Where everything they could ever need or want was already provided. Did you know that everything you see here, everything you can see above ground came out of the ground? Did you know that? Our bodies came out of the ground. Genesis 2, 7. He out of the dust of the ground, He created us. Did you know that the steel, that the sheetrock, that the things in your phone, everything that you see above ground, all trees, plants, grass, Everything was in the ground. Man has never created anything. All man does is take what God created out of nothing and man takes it and melts it down, reassembles it, transforms it, shapes it and stuff. But all they do are just, they mold and make something out of what God already created. Man has never created anything. They just learn how to use what God has already created. God anticipated all of this. I wish I had time. Man, I've, I've spent lots of time meditating on this. But, you know, aspens, one of the things that makes aspens so beautiful is that the leaves are translucent. And the sun actually shines through them and makes them look like they're on fire. And the way that they're attached to the tree is different than the way most leaves are attached to the tree. Because of the way they're attached, when the wind blows, they spin like this. They call them quaking aspens. And it's just beautiful. Did you know that didn't just happen? God thought this through. God thought that would be pretty. He thought it would be nice for them to change colors. God thought all of this through. Nothing has happened accidentally. God thought through what would happen here in the earth. He thought about our needs. You know, I don't know what Steve and Liz think about this, but I'm through. I may never be back. I don't know. But anyway. 
But did you know this is one of the reasons I'm not a tree hugger and I'm not into this fragile earth stuff and that we're destroying the planet because God anticipated whatever man would do and it is not fragile. And I've got a man who works for me who has built an engine that runs off water. It breaks water into H2O, hydrogen, burns the oxygen. And it runs off of uh, water. It's the most abundant resource on the planet. We may need to change and do some things, but God has anticipated whatever our needs are. There is nothing that we need that we don't already have. Now, we may have to pray about it and figure out how to do something. But in the physical realm, everything is already provided. Everything above ground, what came from the ground, God created it. I taught a message last night. I was at a church ministering last night, and I said, you're a dirt bag. And that was about how miraculous dirt is. And I was talking about these things. But anyway, God's anticipated everything in the natural. It's the same thing in the physical. Before you ever had a need, God had already created the supply, and it's on the inside of you. And yet the average Christian is praying, oh, God, come and be with us today. Oh, God, we ask you to come and be with this service. I'm saying this in love, but that is a dumb prayer. <laughs> Somebody says, well, what's wrong with that? He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst, and yet you're asking him to come and be with you? You aren't resting in what he's already done. You're asking him to do something he's already done. You know, if God could be confused, I believe he would be confused. I believe he'd look over at Jesus and they're, they're saying, oh God, please heal me. The doctor says I'm dying. God, I ask you to heal me in there. I believe the Lord, God could look over at Jesus and say, didn't you tell them that by your stripes they were healed? Why are they asking for what they've already got? Why are they asking me to come when I said I'll never leave them nor forsake them? And then we pray, oh God, go with us as we go out through this week. How's he going to answer a prayer like that? Leave? Break his word so he can come back and answer your prayer? We got a lot of religious junk that we do. See, we aren't resting in the word. We don't rest in what God says. He says in Matthew chapter 10, you heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. He didn't tell you to pray for the sick. He told you to heal the sick. Well, what are you saying? I'm saying that God gave you his healing power, and it's up to you whether the sick get healed, not up to God. God's done his part. God's resting. If Adam and Eve would have come to the Lord and said, oh God, I'm hungry. God had already created all of these trees. He wasn't going to take the banana off the tree, peel it, and shove it in their mouth for them. He created it, but they had to take it and do it. They fed themselves. Did that mean that they were the source? No, God was the source. But he put all this at our disposal and you have to take your authority. You go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. He told you to do it. And yet the average Christian is, oh God, we are nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing. But we know that you could. If it be your will, would you please heal this person? You'll die praying that way. And that's the reason so many Christians die is because they don't understand their authority. Jesus told us how he cursed the fig tree in Mark chapter 11. And in verse 23, he says, Whosoever will say 
unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. God told you to speak to the mountain, speak to the problem. And yet the average Christian says, oh God, I got a mountain. Please move my mountain. God, please take care of this problem. He, did, he, he didn't tell you to talk to him about the problem. He told you to take command and command the mountain to get out of the way. I know some of you are thinking, boy, you're arrogant and you're thinking that you don't need God. You know, this is like a friend of mine, Dave Duell. Somebody might have known him. He's now gone to be with Jesus, but he was over in Nigeria holding a meeting and uh, he held this big crusade and he saw blind eyes open, people come out of wheelchairs. And of course, Nigeria was all, you know, black people in Nigeria. He was a white guy. And so the next day he was walking through the market and the people recognized him. He stood out and people recognized him from the crusade. And they started running up to him and they were speaking in another language he didn't understand. And they were all wanting to touch him. And his first thought was to go, oh, it's not me. It's not me. It's, it's Jesus. Don't look to me. And before he could say anything, the Lord spoke to him and said, Dave. He says, what would you have thought if when I rode into Jerusalem on that donkey and everybody was going, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest and throwing palm branches on the ground and their garments on the ground. What would you have thought if that donkey would have said, it's not me. It's not me. <laughs> He says nobody was praising the donkey. They were praising the one that was riding on the donkey. He says nobody's praising you. They recognize God in you. They're looking to, they, they see me in you. And all of a sudden, he just started walking through like this and letting everybody touch him. But see, our religious traditions, we think, well, there's nothing good in me. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, without me, you can do nothing. I agree with that 1,000%. I can't do anything without Jesus, but I am never without Jesus. He will never leave me nor forsake me. If you're just talking about my physical body and my soulish mental part, I've never, ever, ever been accused of being the smartest person in the room, ever. There is nothing special in my flesh, but in my spirit, I've got the same life that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And for me to live my life and sing this song about, Lord, I'm only human, I'm just a man, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking of you. That song will kill you. I am not just a man. One third of me is wall to wall Holy Ghost. I am now God possessed. God lives on the inside of me, and for me to just look at things like a mere human being is wrong. You know, right here in Colorado Springs, not very far from here, I had to go get a physical because my board wanted me to take out an insurance policy and stuff. So I, that's the only time I've been to a doctor since I got drafted in Vietnam. And I went to this doctor, and uh, anyway, he did... It's physical. And I just seen my son raised from the dead just a few days before that. He was dead for five hours. He was stripped naked in a morgue here in Colorado Springs in a cooler with a toe tag on. And they called me and my wife and I believed. And he sat up and started talking. After five hours being dead, he sat up and raised from the dead. I saw my wife raised from the dead. I've seen lots of people raised from the dead. Amen. 
And anyway, I was getting this physical and I was telling this guy about that. And they wanted to shave the hair on my chest to put these things on here. And I said, this is virgin hair. It's never been touched. I said, you can't shave my chest. And so anyway, they allowed me to put these things on. But when I got about 12, 13 minutes, I was sweating on this treadmill test and these things started falling off. And so I was holding two and the doctor was holding two and the nurse was holding two and I was still running. And, and anyway, I told them about this miracle and I was sharing with them. And so after the test was over, he started looking at this long printout and it got to the 12 minute and 57 second mark or something. And he looked at this and started grunting and go, hmm and started making these things and oh and he started doing all this stuff and then he wrote something down and he said now this is the address of another doctor I want you don't go back to the office you go straight over there we're going to give you more tests and we're going to put you in the hospital and we'll probably do open heart surgery on you before the day is over and anyway see I'm saying this to illustrate my point what do you think is really you is it just this physical body is what you hear and what you see more important to you than what God's Word says? See, I, I've just been telling about all of these things, and here he was telling me something, and I, I just, it took me about 10 seconds or something. I thought about it for a second, and then I looked at him and I said, That's a lie. I said, I, I reject that. And I guess this doctor wasn't used to people telling him he's a liar. <laughs> He just, what are you saying? And I said, there's nothing wrong with my heart. I said, you look at that thing and tell me that that says I got a serious heart. And he said, well, actually, everybody's heart's a little bit different. You could be perfectly healthy. Uh, I just think we ought to check. And I said, that's not what you told me. You lied to me. I said, you told me I had a serious heart problem. And I got in this guy's face. And I, you know, the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, that no weapon formed against you will prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. It's your responsibility to condemn it. You have to resist the devil. It doesn't work automatically. You got to stand up. And when I heard something that was contrary to what I was believing, I condemned it. And I said, that's a lie. And this guy just tore up this piece of paper and said, leave. And he... Uh, and he flunked me. I flunked the test. And so I've got a doctor on my board. I went down to Shreveport. He's one of the leading cardiologists down there. And he did, did a stress test and put this dye stuff in me. And he told me, he says, never go by one of those stress tests. He says, they're wrong more than they're right. He says, that is one of the most inefficient ways. And yet, how many people have gotten a stress test and taken what people say and just let it dominate you? And there was nothing wrong with me. He ran a test on me and he says, man, your heart's like a heart of a 17-year-old kid. I'm totally healthy. I, I average about eight miles a day and stuff. There's nothing wrong with me. And yet this guy was telling me all this. But what I'm saying is, see, are you going to be going by what the Word says about you or are you going to let some person, something tell you stuff? And I know some of you think, boy, you're weird. I think you're weird. To have all of this life living on the inside of you and yet you have a little pain out here and you let, you let that dominate you more than what God's word says about you? I tell you, I've had some serious problems. 
I got a sunburn back, I think it was in 2009. I got a sunburn really badly. And there was this big old thing came up on my ear, a black deal. And uh, anyway, I put up with it for about a month or two. And I got tired of it, so I just ripped the thing off, figuring it would heal. It didn't heal. And so for six years, this thing got bigger, and it grew, and it bled. And I had people, I never went to a doctor, but I had a doctor on my board. And he said, man, you got a melanoma and stuff. And I just kept standing and believing God. I didn't have to look at it. You're the ones that had to look at it. I, could, I can't see my ear. So I just kept going. And did you know after six years, it, it's gone. And I'm perfectly healthy and whole. And it's not God that took six years. It's me. A lot of it, I, honestly, I didn't care. I knew I was healed and I just didn't care. Everybody else cared about it. But I didn't care. So I probably should have given it more effort than I did. But what, whatever, I'm healthy, I'm whole, I'm saying I, I go by what the Word of God says about me, not what somebody else says about me, or not even what I feel about me. Amen. And again, some of you, that's weird. No, this is the way that God intended us to. He says, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the Spirit isn't looking weird. It's not having your collar turned around backwards. It's not something outward religious. Walking in the Spirit is walking in the Word. The words that I speak unto you, they are Spirit and they are life. Amen. What does God's Word say about you? Who are you in the Spirit? You need to find out and then rest in it. Get to where you labor to enter into that rest. When you feel like, I've got to do something. God, I've got to do something to make you move. No, you need to rest. You need to quit trying to manipulate God and just enter into his rest. He that has entered into his rest has ceased from his labors. As God did from his. Brothers and sisters, God has provided everything. Just like in the original creation. Adam and Eve didn't need anything. God anticipated anything that the entire human race will need throughout all eternity. If we get to where we have 10 billion, 18 billion people on this planet, God has anticipated it. There is no lack of anything. We may need to change the way we do something. We may need to come up with something different. But there is no lack. God's anticipated everything. And likewise in your life... When you got born again, God placed within you everything you will ever need. There is nothing that will come at you. There's no disaster. There's no pandemic that God didn't anticipate. You've already got within you everything you need to deal with anything. And the key in the Christian life is learning how to rest. To get to where you go by what God says more than what you're hearing on the outside. Man, that's really awesome. Hey, thanks for listening to The Road Podcast. It's been my joy to be a part of your life today. And you know, that's part of what we do here at The Road, and this is what I do in having this Road Podcast, is to empower people to change their world. My passion and desire is that you would take God's Word through the power of the Holy Spirit and make that relevant for your life. You know, the reality is that God has placed your life here on this earth to make a difference. And if you'd like more information about how to grow in Christ, if you need prayer, if you want more equipping in different areas of your life, go to theroad.org. 
God bless you.